0: everyone. Welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mazeppa, and this is a South Asian interracial relationship and lifestyle podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Hi, friends. I hope you guys had an excellent Valentine's Day week and got to spend some time with the people you love most. On this week's episode, we're talking about divorce and dating after divorce and just all of the things... That you work through to find some self worth, some self love, the way we grow as we get older in our 20s and 30s, and learn to get back out there and meet someone new. And when you decide to walk away from a relationship that's not serving you, I'm joined by Jigna. She is better known as Jigna Made Up on Instagram. She's always doing chatty videos talking about all of the issues brown girls face and so some of you might know who she is it was a real pleasure talking to her we had a great discussion and I hope you guys enjoy it so without further ado here she is everybody. We are here with Jigna Patel. Some of you might know her as Jigna Made Up on Instagram, um, but tell us more about who you are. Hey, Disha.
1: Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. So as Disha mentioned, my name is Jigna. I, I do work in finance full time, but I use my Instagram profile to talk about real issues that we go through and issues that I guess are quite difficult for people in the South Asian community. Um, I also have fashion blog and I shoot a lot of outfits, both Indian and Western, and it's more so just a creative outlet for me, but also to spread a positive message.
0: Yes, you are known very much for some of your chatty videos discussing all kinds of topics and ideas, which I've really been enjoying, so I was excited to have you on. Um, one thing you do talk about is divorce and marriage and relationships and dating here, Tell us a little bit about that and your thoughts on it.
1: So, I got married at 23, very very young. I got married because essentially my parents told me I had to get married, and that was that was basically the reason. And I was married for 4 years and then I got divorced at 27, which was an incredibly hard thing to do and No one else in my family has been divorced before or gone through divorce. So it was all very new and also very frowned upon. So it was a very tough process for myself. And over the years, I've realized that a lot of people go through this, you know, not just in the South Asian community and, you know, all over the world, but a lot of people don't talk about it. And during the first COVID lockdown in 2020, I was sat at home by myself and I was like, No one is really talking about what they're feeling. You know, on social media, a lot of it is just like pictures of people's supposedly perfect lives. And I thought there's so many people out there who are going through things and no one's talking about it. So I did a video essentially talking about what it's like to be divorced and, you know, South Asian and what it's like to go through the process and how hard it can be. And actually, all the shame that we're made to feel is not okay. Because actually, we should feel proud of ourselves for doing something that's so difficult. So, that's essentially where these videos started. I did that one, people loved them, people could relate. And I think the biggest thing for me is that I helped a lot of people feel less alone whilst they were going through their process. So, from then on, for the past how long now, two and a half years, I've basically been making videos talking about divorce. I talk about what it's like dating after divorce, I talk about relationships because going through my divorce, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself, but I also learned a lot about relationships and toxic relationships and healthy relationships. And I feel like because of that and because of my experience, I have sort of stories to share and, and ways that I can help people. So that is essentially what I put out there on Instagram.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've definitely watched a whole bunch of it and like, you're right. We, around that time period really is I think like because of the lockdowns people like decided to like do other things with their time um but you're right we're kind of like led by our stories and the things we've been through and the more we talk about it the less it becomes such a stigma and the issues around it um so how old are you now
1: I'm now 34. I had to think for a second. Then I always think (laughs) I'm 32. And I know I'm I'm 34 now. So when did I I got divorced seven years ago now? So it's been quite a while. So I feel like I'm definitely, you know, I I grieved my marriage, I, I dealt with the whole divorce process, all of the emotions. And I'm very much, you know, out of the other side. And I feel like that's why I can talk about it and not feel sort of, you know, emotional or sad. And I can kind of speak about it in a very more balanced and sort of, you know, firm way to help other people.
0: How was it bringing this all up to your family? Because, you know, like a brown girl, that's the thing they never want to hear is that you want want to end in marriage.
1: Absolutely. It was actually really, really difficult. And, you know, when I first mentioned to my parents that I wanted to get a divorce, the first thing they said was, well, what are we going to tell people? And I just feel like that is the first thing that every, you know, brown person who wants to get divorced, or who wants to do something different, the first answer they receive, or the first question they receive is, what are we going to tell people? Because so much of what we do is, it's to create this image to almost show people and it's, it's like, we have to do things to get other people's approval. And I think this is what a lot of I guess South Asian culture is it's other people's opinions, it's other people's views on what you're doing. And so when that came up, I I guess I realized that it was less about how I was feeling and more about what other people were gonna say. And I think in those moments, I fought back. And in that moment, probably for the first time. I said, no, this is about me and this is about how I'm feeling and how I'm going to get through this. Right now, I don't really care what other people think. You know, I spent a lot of time caring about what other people think. That's also one of the reasons why I actually went ahead and got married because (laughs) I was like, okay, well, if I don't, people are going to think there's something wrong with me. So I have to get married. And, you know, that's why I essentially went through the process. But I realized I can't live my life for other people. I have to live my life doing the things that make me happy. And so, yeah, it was a very tough conversation. It was a very tough process. Um, You know, it it takes a long time, I guess, for family to accept it because there's so many changes that go on for them as well. So it is definitely a longer journey.
0: Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, everything you're saying, it's almost like, so many people here on this show are going through the process of telling their families about their partners because they're choosing to bring home someone that's like not the same culture as them and but it's the same thing it's like what are we going to tell people how are we going to like put on this facade and i sometimes it like feels like brown people came up with instagram but in real life it was like let's paint this rosy picture of our perfect lives with our perfect children who never did anything wrong
1: that is so accurate. <laughs> I've never heard that analogy before, but I just—it it is the most accurate description of brown people because that is exactly what it is. It's people portraying a perfect life to you know, their communities and to societies to get other people's approval because if they have other people's approval, then that means that they're, they're doing something right if people don't approve, then that means they're doing something wrong. And that is what the entire, you know, I've been brought up my entire life with that, you know, that notion and, and everything is about, okay, well, what will they say? What will, what will he do? We have to do what gets other people's approval, what looks good essentially to the
0: community, which when you think about it is, is mind blowing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like everybody talks about right now, how like, Bad social media can be for your mental health and how it makes you compare yourself to people. I'm like, brown people have been living this for like years, decades, probably centuries.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think that's also difficult, but also one of the things that I see people more and more realizing now. You know, a lot of people are starting to live life for themselves. A lot of them are realizing that the things that we've been brought up with and the things that we've been told as children are not correct, or they're not good for you. They're just not good for your mental health. And I think now what I see on social media is a lot of people who are almost dealing with that trauma or have been brought up in a certain way or been told to do certain things, but that's not really who they are as people. And so they're kind of almost struggling with their identity a bit as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think we're all in that phase. I think so many of us are raised to just like follow this path and we never like bring our head out of the water to look around and see like what else is around us and what else could possibly be. And and for so many of us until we leave home, we don't actually stop and look. And then you're like, oh, there's like all these other things that could have been my life. And it's like kind of wild. I feel like, so I just turned 30 and like, you know, I feel like I spent my 20s being like super anxious and like, oh, I have to get my life together and all of that. But then like at 30, I'm like, honestly, I'm so glad I made a million and one mistakes. Like when it came to my career and school and even the like hot mess with bringing home my partner, I'm like, I'm so much happier that I spent my 20s making those mistakes and like figuring things out and like pulled my head out of the water essentially sooner rather than later. Because now I feel way more confident at 30 going forward.
1: I couldn't agree more. And that's exactly how I feel. Like in my 30s now, I mean, I'm 34 years old now. And genuinely, this is the best I've felt in my life you know mentally and just in who I am like I really you know accept and love who I am and honestly that has been a journey (laughs) to do that and I think but you know most of my 20s I did not like who I was I think even as a teenager I had so many sort of self-esteem issues and I think now at this age, I I look back and and I'm so grateful, you know, that I've been through a divorce and I've been through, like you said, I'm so glad I made all the mistakes that I've made in my life because it's really helped me as a person. And I think when you're in the South Asian community, it's almost like from the day you're born, your life is mapped out for you. You Mm -hmm. know, you're going to be really well behaved. You're going to go to school. You're going to you know, learn how to speak Gujarati, you're going to, you know, you're going to marry someone, you're going to go be a doctor or an accountant or you can work in finance. And it's almost like there's this expectation of you. And then, you know, it's like, okay, you're going to get married and then you're going to have children. And then, you know, that's it. That's the path that we're taught and we're not taught anything else. And it's almost like, you know, your whole life is, okay, what's the next step in the plan? What's the next step? But we were never taught to look outside of that or, you know, we were never taught that you can actually do whatever you want to do. And I think that is something I've realized after getting divorced is just sort of finding myself in that sense and just realizing that actually I can do whatever I want to do. I can go travel or I can, you know, figure out what I'm going to do with my job or, you know, literally the world is your oyster.
0: Yeah. And it takes like almost like stepping back and looking at your life, like stepping out of yourself, which is like really hard to do, I think. But having those moments where it's like, I can choose right now to just like do what is quote unquote the right thing, or I can like try to step away from this. And it can be in like the smallest things. Like tomorrow I'm leaving for a road trip to go visit one of my best friends who lives about four hours away. And this is at the age of 30, my first time essentially traveling alone, like getting in the car. And I'm like, I've driven there, but I'm usually with someone. I've never done it by myself. and. Like, the anxiety that is causing me is one thing, but, like, just constantly telling myself, like, Disha, you've done this drive before. You can go on your own. Nothing's going to happen. And, like, even if it does, like, I feel like I spend most of my teenage years lying to my parents, so it was, like, that anxiety of, like, what if something happens? I have nowhere to fall back. Like, what if I get into an accident? What, who am, what am I going to tell my parents? Whereas now, my husband was like, four hours isn't that far. Like, technically, it's, like, Three and a half from my office. So, like, if something happens, like, it's not a big deal. Just like, call me. We have AAA, like, we have all these things in place. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, it's okay. Even if, like, whatever, God forbid I get pulled over by a police officer, whatever. Like, it's not the end of the world. But if this was me living in my parents' house, it would have been met with just like a full on meltdown and getting torn apart by my parents.
1: Oh, uh, so, you know, hearing you say that, it's like, i i can completely relate and i think i actually read something recently that was talking about um that exact feeling it was essentially talking about sort of being hyper vigilant and how it relates to um sort of your childhood and if you've been around parents who were quite strict or around parents who when you did something wrong you know really sort of like told you off and then you become on edge all the time and like you said there's something, you know, you worry about something going wrong and then you think, oh, you know, would this happen? Will that happen? Will I get yelled at? And, and it honestly all stems from our childhood. Yeah. Everything, everything that we feel right now is from our childhood.
0: Yep. And I'm like actively, like, I almost considered not going. I was like, I don't really need to go on this trip. I just like have the days days off because I have flexibility. And I'm like, no, like you have to do this. You If you don't do this right now, You're just going back into your little hidey hole, and like nothing, nothing's gonna happen. Even if something bad happens, it's not the end of the world. Like your life will move forward, and like you said, it's like the constant vigilance of only having to have your own back all the time because our parents would blow the smallest things out of proportion.
1: Yeah, it's so true. That's that's exactly it. And I think I felt a similar way when I did my first a solo trip. I've done about seven of them now since I got divorced. And I remember the first time I was going, I was really nervous. And I thought, oh, like you said, similar, what if something happens? What if something goes wrong? And, you know, and then literally I went on holiday on my own for the first time. And I have never had more fun. Like, it is honestly my favorite thing to do. I prefer going on holiday by myself than with other people now. Like, I actually just enjoy it so much. And I get so many messages from people on Instagram. You know, if I go on holiday and they're asking, Did you go by yourself? Were you scared? Were you okay? I'm really, really scared to do it. And I honestly get so many of these messages. And I just tell them, Look, in order to get past that fear, you have to put yourself in that situation because that's the only way that you then realize, actually, it's going to be okay. And actually, if something goes wrong, it's fine. You know, it's not the end of the world. And things like that are are what help you feel that freedom. They're like things that we never really got to experience as children, you know?
0: Yeah. And for me, at least the strategies right now that are working are like, because it's my technically first time, it's like, what are all the things that can go wrong? And what can I do to like alleviate that part? And also, what can I do to make myself feel better about it? So it was like, technically, I have done this trip without even stopping. Like, I can have my gas tank full before I leave the house so that, like, I don't have to stop if I don't want to. Like, my husband in the car through and we have this, like, spray thing, which is amazing. I forgot what it's called. But if you get a flat tire, you just insert it into the tire and it fills it and inflates the tire temporarily until you can make it to somewhere you could change it it's like a can. It's like 20 bucks. So useful. (laughs) Yeah. So useful. And I didn't even know it existed until he was like, yeah, so this is in your trunk and you have a spare like charging thing that'll like jolt your battery if it, and he's like, it's not going to happen. You drive a Jeep, but like it will make you feel better that you have it. And cause like it's supposed to snow or whatever. And so it's like little things like that. And like, packing my snacks and having my water and I'm like this will make me feel better until I can ease off on like being stressed about it
1: yeah and so- I totally agree like you said you have to just if you prepare yourself and you're organized and you know you prepare yourself for every eventuality it, it may it eases the anxiety
0: yeah and the more you do it I imagine I will just like ease off of the over-preparedness
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey do you know what? I'm all about being over-prepared so it's fine you go for it <laughs>
0: Yeah right, got my first aid kit as if I'm going to like fall <laughs> into a ditch. It's like a one highway road. Like I don't even have to get off the highway.
1: Well, you know what? You've literally prepared for everything, so I think it's going to go yeah. great. <laughs>
0: exactly. I'm like quietly a prepper in my head and I didn't know until this week.
1: I love it. I'm a massive prepper, so <laughs>
0: Love that. But getting back to you and what we were talking about, um, you haven't divorced for a while. And the one thing you talk about is dating after divorce. So how has that been different? Do you feel more confident now? Did you date before you got married? I don't know if I can call it dating before
1: I got married because I was so young and I was in university and you know I dated people in university but I just kind of feel like when you're like 19, 20 years old like is that can we even call it a real relationship because it's just so young and I just think at that point you know I was in relationships I just didn't really know who I was as a person um so not I guess yeah I wouldn't really call it dating much but I did have relationships and then after my divorce um I dated and it was a process like getting yourself mentally ready to put yourself out there again is tough and I always say to people you have to take all the time that you need to heal to get through your divorce to get over your divorce to deal with those emotions to build your confidence because if you're dating And you have low confidence, it can really affect your self-esteem even more. Because if someone, you know, doesn't reply to your messages, or someone ghosts to you, or you feel rejected, that can really affect your self-esteem. So I always say you have to take as much time as you need to feel sort of mentally in a good place again. And I feel like I did that and I did day, and there was always a question, and I always get asked this on Instagram. People always ask me, when do I tell someone? on a date that I'm divorced and that is something that I struggled with as well initially and I had to think oh god do I tell them on the first date is it the first thing that I speak about but then over the over time I I kind of realized why am I feeling the need to say this as the first thing when I meet someone as if it's like some label on my head it's not a label it's something that I've been through in my past and it's not my entire being so you know, over time, what I realized was that, you know, as you have conversations about relationships and past relationships and things you've been through, then I would bring it up in conversation. And if the person that I'm with no longer wanted to see me again, that's fine. And that did happen. There were, there were, you know, I went on dates with people. I mentioned that I'm divorced and I never heard from them again. But for me, that just proved that they were not the right people for me. There are a lot of people out there who, you know, I've spoken to and, you know, I mentioned that I'm divorced and they don't care. They really don't care. They see it as, oh, well, you know, that's amazing because, you know, it's it's a really hard thing to go through. So you must be really strong. And there are people out there who will recognize that. But I think one of the best things about, I guess, dating after divorce is that, Like I said earlier, I felt like I just really understood so much more about relationships. And I really understood more about myself as well. And these are things that I'd worked on. You know, for example, what do I need in a relationship? What am I looking for? Things that, you know, make me feel safe and secure, recognizing what a toxic relationship is so you can stay away from it. And I think these are all things that I've learned post-divorce and in my 30s and I'm really grateful because it does make dating a bit easier.
0: Yeah, I think like there is a point and I I really think it just comes with time and like a little bit of life experience where like you just have to accept yourself for who you are and where you're at. And like if somebody else can't do that, they're just not the right person for you.
1: I totally agree.
0: Yeah, like even for me, like sometimes it was just like being from a south asian household and like being someone who just like dated whoever she wanted and like some guys could deal with being a secret essentially and then some guys couldn't and i was like this is just my situation and who i am like you're gonna have to take it or leave it like i can't do anything yeah. about it i can't change it you know i'm not gonna like introduce you to my mom on date three like sorry
1: <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> oh that would have been hilarious <laughs> yeah
0: i'm like three years in i introduced my husband but yeah. You know
1: but also I always say like like, if you don't love yourself then someone else won't be able to love you you have to love yourself first you have to have you know that confidence in yourself you have to love who you are you have to own who you are have that high self-esteem and then you almost sort of radiate that energy for people and then that's what people are drawn to whereas if you're struggling to love yourself it can make life even harder when you're in a relationship and I think one of the reasons why I struggled with relationships when I was younger you know I say like pre-marriage or you know, very, very young was because I didn't love myself and I had self esteem issues. And I relied on, you know, boys for validation, which is the worst thing that you can do because you're never going to get it. And I think after my divorce, I went through a lot of therapy and really worked on some of my own toxic patterns and, you know, my own issues that I had. And it was only then that I realized that I have to love myself first. That's the first thing I have to do before I even think about being with anybody else
0: self esteem is weird because like i feel like it subconsciously rules so much of people and like con- confidence like you can't fake it till you make it like it is this like deep seated sense of just like being okay with who you are and it just like you said just comes over time and like doing some work and ultimately being like this is who i am and i'm okay with it because if you're not okay with it no one else it's no one else's job to make you feel okay about it like
1: that's a hundred percent it and it's you know it took me a long time to realize that because I think for me I I didn't feel good in myself but I was relying on other people i.e (laughs) ex-boyfriends to make me feel better about myself and that was that was always going to fail because that's not how I can feel good about myself and I think when you do get to that point in your life where you're so happy with who you are as a person you own it and you're like yeah this is who I am I love who I am. There's almost like a peace. There's sorry. sorry. Yeah, I'm so, saying. Um, yeah. There's almost like a peace in that because it's almost like no one can take that away from you. No one can take away that feeling of calm that you have about yourself. You know, people will always have opinions. People will like you. People won't like you. But as long as you like you, who cares what anybody else thinks <laughs> of you?
0: Pretty much. Yeah. They can't take it away. Like no amount of like saying something mean on a date or ghosting you or like breaking up with you is going to shake that part of yourself that's like nope, we're good. It's fine like 100%. and not in like a, it's fine like the buildings burning like it's actually fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, you know, when you have confidence and say, you know, a guy ghosts you, if you're feeling confident, the first thing you would think is, oh well, his loss. If you're not feeling confident, the first thing you will think is oh no, have I done something wrong? What did I do wrong? Why is he not messaging me? Does he not like me? And then you end up down this spiral of just questioning yourself. You know, you're, you're then blaming yourself for someone else's actions, which again is, is such a, a negative thing to do.
0: And you can't advocate for yourself in a relationship if you don't have the confidence. Like if you don't think you deserve to be treated well or deserve to be texted back at a reasonable hour, like then you're not gonna get that. And you're not going to be able to, like, stand up for yourself and ask for that if you are dating someone. And, like, because at the end of the day, like, especially if you date boys, like, they can't read your mind. Like, you just have to tell them what you want.
1: Yeah. Like, you're gonna, they definitely can't read your mind. Yeah, like,
0: you're going to be waiting all day if you think he's going to realize what your idea of romance is. Like, you just have to tell them. But you won't tell them if you don't know yourself and know what you want and feel like you deserve that.
1: Yeah. That's so true. And I think, like you said, there's a key thing and you have to tell them. And, And communication, I always say this in my videos, but communication is the most important part of a relationship because... No one can read minds and as much as you think oh well I said this did you not understand what I meant it's like no you have to literally lay out exactly what you mean because miscommunications cause so many issues and if you communicate clearly how you're feeling what you want what you're looking for these are all steps towards a healthy relationship.
0: Yeah that's it's so it's weird being like on the other side where like I've been married for a few years. And even now, like that is the most true thing. Like if you can't communicate with your partner, if in like a respectful adult-like manner, then you're just never going to get past things. Like this is going to be a nightmare for everyone because one, our expectations are not clear. Intentions are not clear. (laughs) All of the things. And I'm like, Luckily, I have, like, the world's most chill husband. He married, like, the most anxious person he could find and was like, everything's fine. But, like, even then, sometimes he, like, needs to be told when things stress me out because nothing stresses him out. He's like, I don't understand. Like, everything's fine.
1: That must be amazing energy to be around, honestly. So I feel like that would be so calming for a lot of people. (laughs) We need to bottle that energy.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, like, I look at him and I'm like, you're literally thinking about nothing right now. Like there's nothing going on in your head. And he's like, Yeah, it's great. And I'm like, how wow. do you do that?
1: I I feel like these are the levels that we need to get to. <laughs> this level of just peace. And just nothing matters. Must be must feel amazing.
0: Right? I'm like, if I couldn't get even halfway to that level of chill, I I think it would be life-changing. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that oh that's another thing that I feel comes with
1: age though. I feel like when I was younger, I was, you know, I was more anxious than I am now. I'm still anxious, but I was a lot more anxious than I am now. I was a lot more sort of, you know, hypervigilant about things and situations and, you know, everything. I was almost a control freak over because I was almost so stressed about everything. Whereas I just feel like now I'm sort of getting to that place where it's like, okay, well, you know, if that happens, it's fine. We'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure it out along the way. And I think, that is something that maybe comes with age, maybe comes with life experience. But I guess it's something that it does it does help you feel more, I guess, at peace.
0: It's probably a confidence factor too, because knowing just like, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, when you're younger, I think it's like, until you've been through life, you only know what you've made up in your head about what will happen. If like, something bad were to happen whereas like once you go through a few things you're like no we came out on the other side like maybe it wasn't fun to go through but like it's okay We're here
1: yeah it's true and I think it also comes from because as you get older you have like you said you've been through more things in life and you know for example when I got divorced that was always the benchmark for me when I went through a breakup or when I was dating I was like or something horrible happened in life I just thought well you got through your divorce so you'll get through this thing and I think it's it's that isn't it it's it's you know you go through more things in life and it just gives you that reassurance that you need
0: mhm yeah i i think everyone needs that benchmark cuz like you know the saying is like the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you so you know for a 5 year old being called a name is the worst thing that's ever happened to them and they're feeling it in the same way as someone who may be older and like lost a parent and that's the worst thing that's happened to them but that level is still the same it just changes that benchmark as you get older and you go through life. Yeah. So then you can handle more things because suddenly being called a name is no longer the worst thing that's happened to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're younger and something like that happens, you think your whole world is falling apart or when you go through your first sort of heartbreak and, you, you know, your first breakup and you think, <sighs> yes. oh, I'm never going to get over him. I'm <laughs> never going to get past this. I can't live without him. And then literally a few months down the line, you're like, oh my God, why was I crying? Like, why was I (laughs) crying over him? Um, And I think, honestly, again, it's like the same thing. You get over a couple of, of, you know, relationships and you get through a couple of breakups and then you remember next time it happens, no, it's okay, you will get through it. Even when you feel like you won't, you will.
0: Yeah, I think like, That's where Taylor Swift is way too relatable because we all just (laughs) aged with her. So, like, that first album, we're all devastated over a boy. And then, like, now we're at, like, Taylor Swift, who doesn't give a shit about anything. Like, (laughs) we have all grown up listening to her music and aging with her.
1: It's so true. It's so true. I remember, um, you know, one of her – I don't know if it was her first song or one of her earlier songs, the Love Story one, which is also, like, you know, the Romeo Whatever one, I thought, oh, yeah, like, it was so also, like, you know, airy-fairy back then, loved it, and now we're all just, like, savage Taylor. <laughs> yeah.
0: the, that girl's dead now.
1: Yeah, yeah, she died to death a while ago. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's no more teardrops on my guitar.
1: I mean- <laughs> exactly. Taylor can't come
0: to the phone right now. Uh, I feel like that's probably why she's so relatable. It's like that era that if you grew up with her, you just everything related because she's the same age as most of us.
1: Yeah, 100%. (laughs) So true.
0: But you talk a lot about like a bit of anxiety that I think like it just seems like as a whole community, like if brown girls had a hive mind, we all have anxiety. And I'm like (laughs) – Something needs to change where all of our status quo isn't just, like, forever anxious. And, like, (laughs) yes, we get older and it definitely, like, ebbs away. Like, now I would say, like, I probably am not anywhere near as anxious as I used to be. But at the same time, I'm like, there's, like, that baseline that seems like it's too high of, like, (laughs) stress. Um, Have you had any strategies that work for you to help manage that? I have a couple of
1: coping mechanisms actually when I'm having, you know, a really sort of anxious day or I'm feeling really anxious. Um and I think over the years I've almost gotten used to it so I know what works for me. So for example, one of the things that I do is making sure I leave my apartment. So going outside for a walk, going to the gym, getting moving because when I feel anxious, all I want to do is just sit and mope, and I just want to sit and watch TV under my blanket, and I just want to sit there and sit almost in this sort of anxious squalor, whereas over the time, I've realized if I just get myself outside and I go for a walk for half an hour, I will come back feeling better, and I will come back feeling you know, a bit more positive or just a bit happier, it will just help my anxiety feel a bit calmer. Um So that's one of the things that I do. The other one is, like, I love food. So any of my comfort foods, if I'm feeling anxious, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to, whatever I want to eat, whatever makes me feel good, I'm gonna do that. And essentially it's all about self-love, you know. I love taking baths. So, you know, I will run a hot bath, I will sit there, I will listen to music, I will just be almost in a zen space because again, that really helps my anxiety. And I think over the years I've realized all the things that I like doing, or all of the things that make me feel happy or at peace. And they essentially are what I will draw on when I am feeling anxious.
0: Those are all good strategies. There's nothing a walk can't fix.
1: Literally, put some music on. Yeah, put a funny podcast on, put something on and just go escape. And honestly, it is just, I love it. Now I go for walks and I think, okay, this is my time to myself. I'm going to listen to a podcast. or I'm going to listen to some music and I just get to, you know, put my phone away and I get to just be with me, you know, for an hour or so. And, And I love it. And I see that as like, my sort of protected time (laughs) you know no one can speak to me no one can do anything and it's just me enjoying my own company and just feeling nice outside and and I love it now
0: I think everyone especially these days could probably probably use more silence in their day as it is just like where you're not on your phone like whether it's taking a walk or for me it's just sitting in the sauna and just like one that's where I get my best ideas it's like when your (laughs) ideas come in the shower But like you said, it's just like everything's just kind of quiet and like you can listen to your podcast uninterrupted and just like go for a stroll. And they're so underrated. I feel like getting people out is a real challenge these days.
1: I agree. But I also I think like you said that having that you know, time away from your devices. And that is one thing that I do when I feel anxious. I will stay away from social media. I will put my phone away. I will not feel like I need to reply to messages or I need to reply to people because the time has to be mine in order for me to feel better. And so I will just put my phone away. I will literally move it away from me. I'll watch a good TV show, you know, love a bit of Netflix. So I'm like, okay, I want to watch something comforting and I want to just be in my happy space. Because I think these days on your phone, you know, you have ways to communicate with your family and friends, but then you also have social media and there's so many different types of social media. But then you have, you know, so many other things that are on your phone and it can just be so consuming that mentally you need a break.
0: Yeah. I've been using the timer on my iPhone where they lock out the app after whatever. So my social media is all on like a 20 or 30 minute limit a day, which like sometimes I like poke through simply because I have to promote a podcast. But like on the weekends, I've pretty much given my permission to just like not be on and not have to post and not have to talk about anything. And like, even just the two days, it's just so peaceful. And like, if you do a few weeks, it's like life changing, and I almost never want to come back to the internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. I am. Um, I recently went on holiday to the Philippines, and you know, there's. I had no data there, so I had no sort of like you know four G, five G data, and Wi Fi is very scarce over there. And when there is Wi Fi, it doesn't really work very well. So essentially, I couldn't really use my phone for like three and a half weeks, and oh, it was bliss. I did not miss it. I did not miss social media. I did Mm -hmm. not miss any of those things. I'm like, yeah, I'll go on like, you know, if I'm in the hotel and I've got a few minutes and I'm on Wi-Fi that works, then I can go on it. But otherwise, I'm okay without it. And it's honestly the most freeing thing because you really just get to be sort of present in the moment. You're present in your surroundings. You know, you realize that, Social media, you know, as as much as it has, you know, its positives and its negatives, so there's a lot more to the world than social media. So, you know, it's okay if you're not on your phone for like a few days. So yeah, I would highly recommend it to people. I love taking breaks or just, you know, being somewhere with no data or just getting away from it.
0: Yeah. I feel like my brain takes like twenty-four hours to stop like short circuiting and then it like eases out and we're like in a good place. Um But yeah, like you said, like when I'm stressed out or anxious, the last place I want to be is on the internet. Yeah. I'm like, this is somehow only making it worse. And like, I can't explain the mechanisms of any of it, but I just know when I'm not on it, I'm real happy. And like you said, like we all survive. Like I grew up, I'm sure you did too, where there was a time before social media, like you had the internet, but it was like that dial up AOL, like buddy list you know? I miss like, those days. Yeah. Honestly, I've been going through like a a throwback kick with my music of listening to like my old, like early 2000s alternative rock, like Panic at the Disco and All Time Low and just like Good Charlotte. And I was like, the music was so much better back then than yeah. it is now, which maybe is just me being old. But like, I was also just like, it take it took me back to like. Just simpler times, I guess, I where know. like life was just so chill, like you had your little like group in school, and like there at the time, like you just had your clique, and that's all who existed if you were a goth kid or a punk kid or the popular kid or a jock, like you had your bubble, but all those people were just like you, and you never felt like you needed to fit in elsewhere, and I feel like now people have this pressure, and I can't imagine what high school is like where like. You have to fit in with everyone all the time because of, you know, you're all on social media.
1: That's honestly the most stressful thought. When I, when, like you said, when I think back to when I was, you know, young, my version of fun was playing in the garden or like, you know, playing with the kids who live on your street or, you know, that for me was the most fun that you would have. And I loved it. And I am honestly so happy and glad that I grew up in that generation than now because I cannot imagine how hard it is to go to school right now in the world of social media I cannot even imagine because I mean school was hard back then you know sometimes kids are mean and and that's fine like it happens everywhere but when you've got social media in the mix it must be so much harder because now you're feeling the pressure to fit in online as well as at school or you know, there's all of these people, you know, you're posting a picture and there's all this pressure to get all of these, you know, likes or comments or, and I I can't even imagine how stressful that is at that age.
0: Yeah. Especially at an age where like, it's already so normal to be so self-conscious and anxious and everything's changing. And, you know, you're probably getting your first relationship or like friend fights and girls are, you know, and it's like, now you want to add in going home and it following you there, like you can have a mean kid in your class and that's annoying, but like, then you leave school and they're, they're left there. They don't follow you. You know, you go to soccer practice or you go to your little part-time job or you hang out at the library. Like I was not that cool, clearly, but like, (laughs) you know, it's like you could just leave it there until the next day or after spring break. And like, yeah, the thought of being in school now honestly stresses me out. So yeah. much. I, like think, I think. I think
1: it's it's so stressful because. Okay, so we see the impact of social media on mental health, you know, with people our age, but when you're a child, and like we were saying earlier, all the anxiety and and things that we feel now will all stem from our childhood because the the things that you go through in your childhood is essentially what influences how your brain develops. Now, being a kid in school in this world of social media. I can't even imagine the long-term impact that this is going to have on them as people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in 20 years time, it it scares me to think, well, where is this generation going to be, you know, with the, with the impact that this is going to have on them?
0: Yeah. And like every generation adapts, but I do wonder just like you, like what's going to happen? Because like you know, we talk about how, like, if you turn on the news, the world is ending. But then if you look around, everything's fine. So you have, like, that contrast point. And I have a lot of cousins that are much younger than me. And even telling them, because they grew up in a world where there's always been the internet, like, and telling them that social media is not real, it doesn't register at all. Like, they don't believe you. They're like, like, they're like, yeah, okay, yeah. But, like, not really. Because when we were in school, it was like, Whatever school you were in, that was your reality. It wasn't compared to like all the other high school kids in the country. It was just your school and your community. And so, like, when you left that, you still had a comparison point. But now it's like everything all at once. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys do it. Yeah. And then they threw in COVID and half of uh. them like got like fake school for a few <laughs> years. And I was like, I don't know what this is. Like, I, Listen, if you give any high schooler a computer to do their work, they're just going to Google everything. And like, that's fine. Like, we've all turned into professional Googlers. But like, at some point, you also have to learn how to like, interact with people and do a group project with a teacher, or like a kid in your class you didn't want to work with. And the teacher was like, they're your partner. And now it's just like, I'll just like, type on the internet. And not.
1: Yeah, It's crazy. I remember when I was in school, I think there was one computer or maybe like two or three in the whole school and that was in like the library there was no you know there was no googling there was no nothing it was almost like go find a book and see if that (laughs) says anything or like use the card catalog yeah (laughs) or go ask your teacher or you know figure it out and that was essentially how we learned and we grew up there was there was no even at university you know we didn't have Like obviously we had laptops that we did assignments on, but it was a different way of teaching. You know, now everyone's lectures are online or, you know, they can access everything online. And it's just it's a completely different, I guess, way, you know,
0: of how it was for us. And I remember when I was a kid, I forgot what the app was called, but like Facebook was just becoming a thing and some new website has had come up where you could post your own personal link and people could anonymously leave comments and messages for you in there. And that was when the first dark side of the internet showed up because suddenly like the keyboard warriors showed up for the first time. I remember having this link and all the kids in my high school were doing it. And that's when you could hide behind a blank screen and say whatever you wanted to someone. And through all the, like, nonsense, bullying, and mean things that happened in school. But, like, you got over it. it was, like, minor shit. It was, like, you have ugly shoes. I'm, like, all right. You know, like, <laughs> I have bad teeth. Okay. But this was the first time where when they got to hide behind a screen, people became real nasty real fast. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, oh, this isn't good. Like, no, I don't like this. And, like, most people were nice. But those handful of mean messages were just, like, a different level And I feel like we have now accelerated to a point where like literally people have fake accounts just so they can go around trolling people.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And I think now trolling is so common and it's not just, you know, it's not just celebrities or, you know, famous people that get trolled. It's literally anyone and and everyone can get trolled. You know, we live in the age of the internet where Someone can post a video online and and tag someone and then suddenly that person's getting harassed or trolled or you just, you just, there's no escape from it. You know, there's so much visibility and a lack of privacy. And that's what, you know, I guess that's what gives the keyboard warriors their, I guess, sometimes power almost because they're not held to accountability either. You know, they can do it. They can get away with it. There's no sort of repercussions for them.
0: Yeah, for sure. And now that we've gone down this tangent for like 20 (laughs) minutes, um, but, you know, do you feel like because like you were saying, like there was a time where we didn't have the internet, do you feel like it has really impacted dating now? Because a lot of people meet on apps and I don't know how you've been meeting people, but here at least that's pretty much how everyone I know meets. And then you find their Instagram, then you stalk them and suddenly you know all these things about someone that suddenly they can't reveal to you when they're ready.
1: Yeah yeah I agree and I think that's what makes dating so hard though as well I think I i mean I personally cannot date on dating apps because I find it so hard to get a vibe with someone over an app like I've always struggled I I to be honest I've only ever been on a dating app like a few years ago for like five days and then I had to go off I was like I can't do this (laughs) I was like there's too many notifications I was like I don't understand this (laughs) Like I, all I can see is like three pictures. Like you can't judge someone on a photo, and I think that's my biggest difficulty with online dating. Is because people will put like three photos, and you think you know it's what someone looks like, but then you see them, you like that's not what you look like. But also, like there's no vibe, and it's so hard to get that over, you know, an app. And I think that's what makes it difficult. But what. What I also think makes dating difficult in the world of dating apps is that people have so many options. And now, for example, you know, it's normal for people to be dating multiple people at once. And I swear that wasn't a thing when we were younger. But now it's like, yeah, I'm trying to three or four guys or three or four girls at once. And then that person is then talking to like three or four people at once. And it's just, There's so many things going on, but it's like, (laughs) how do you find the one? How do you find that one person when there's all of these things happening? And you know, people have options, and then it makes people feel anxious because it's like, okay, well, I really like him, but you know, he might—I think he's talking to other people as well. But then, you know, is this going to go anywhere? And then it makes you start overthinking, and then it makes you feel like, okay, you know, maybe compared to the other people, you're not—you're not good enough—and oh I just think it's so stressful but also I think that all of the options also comes with a lack of respect sometimes in the sense that people will just ghost you and just move on to the next person and they don't sort of have that conversation of closure or they don't have they don't explain why you know that it's not going to work or why they're not interested they just stop talking to you and then they just move on to the next and I think that that comes from the fact that they have so many options. They can literally just open an app and there's a whole new batch of people
0: to go through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm fully fully responsible for the toxic roster lifestyle where <laughs> you were dating multiple people. So I can't say anything on that. Um, but granted, I was also dating at a time where like I met my husband on Tinder and it was the only app and like no one really admitted to having one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's a little bit different than it is now, but I think it leads back to what we were talking about earlier about just like no communication skills. Yeah. Like, even as a podcaster, like realizing like people don't know how to talk. (laughs) Like, I remember when Clubhouse came out as an app and like everyone was so hyped. They're like, oh, this is so cool, whatever. And they tried to get all these podcasters on board, including myself. And I got the app and then, you know, everyone could have a chance to talk. And you realize, not everyone should have a chance to. <laughs> I was like, y'all can't make a sentence or get to the point here. Like, you're just you're just going in circles and not making a point. And you yeah. realize, like, people have lost the ability to, like, clearly explain or, like, express things.
1: Yeah, that's 100% true. Also, what happened to Clubhouse? I feel like that died a very quick death.
0: Oh, yeah. I feel like there – yeah, it, like, shot up and then it came crashing so, down yeah. and then there's <laughs> – there's a handful of people who just like talk to each other there all day now. Like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't
1: think I've used it for like nearly two years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right though. A lot of people can't communicate. And I think also a lot of the time people think, either they think, oh, I don't owe you an explanation because I barely know you. So there's, you know, you're not really factoring in anybody else's feelings, but then there's also the Oh, well, maybe it's easier if I don't say anything because I don't want to hurt them, and I think what they don't realize is that the lack of communication is probably more hurtful because you know the other person is almost left wondering what have I done, what's happened? Are they not interested in me and it's almost like it just makes it harder to move on and I actually get so many messages from people saying, "You know I've been ghosted by someone, we were talking, we got really really well, and then you just suddenly stop replying to my messages, what do I do and in my head I'm like. Oh, why, why can they not just communicate? Like, just say, yeah, it's been great chatting to you, but I'm not sure if this is, you know, going to head in that direction, but I wish you well. That's it. That's all you
0: got to say, yeah. guys. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I had, like, my little copy and paste message I was just saying, yes. guys, and I was like, you know, you're really nice. I just don't think we're a good fit. Like, whatever.
1: That's it. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, deep or nasty. It's just, just simple.
0: Just close it off, close yeah. closure, and move on. But, you know, I think... There's a little bit of, like, not wanting to close the door because I was always the kid who would – if a guy would try to ghost me or I felt like things were fading, I would just straight up ask them. Be like, hey, are you not feeling this anymore? Because just, like, let me know and I'll never text you again. Like, I just need to know. Yeah. And, you know, they would just tell you, like, straight up. And But the thing is, that meant the door was shut. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, all right, delete his number, move on with your life. Like, it's fine. But I think a lot of people are scared of actually truly closing the door because if you just stop responding, you can always come back later and give some like fake response about like, oh, sorry, life got so busy. I'm like, life's not that <laughs> busy. Relax, relax. <laughs>
1: That's so true. You're right, actually. I never even thought of it that way, but you're right. People want to keep their options open. You know, they'll be speaking to someone who they get on with well, but maybe they're not sure, but then maybe they're like, oh, let me see what else is out there, but I'll just keep this one there as well.
0: Yeah, but yeah, you're it's a, right. It's a constant state of FOMO.
1: <laughs> yeah, the grass and, and, and thinking the grass might be greener. You know, that's what people always like, oh, maybe it could be better. Maybe it could be better.
0: Yeah. And that's where I like fail to have advice for people. Like, I don't know how to make you feel like content with your decision to be with someone or feel like they are enough But I think it just comes back to you maybe feeling like you're enough so that you can believe that someone else can also be enough and exactly the way they are.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you know, when you're in, you know, a healthy situation, relationship, whatever it is, I think that is a huge thing. And I think that people take that for granted. They're like, oh, it's boring. Oh, it's easy. Oh, it's this. Well, boring and easy is, is good. Like, people don't see that. People want crazy and, you know, tumultuous and and up and down and like, no, that's not good. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of the time people throw that away.
0: Absolutely. And I don't know what got into me realizing that I actually had someone incredibly easy and boring and not exciting (laughs) who I love very much. But like our relationship even now is like, people like ask about it. I'm like, it's really boring. Like... (laughs) Honestly, and like in the best way, in like the most comforting and safe and wholesome way, it's, but I remember distinctly at the age of like, I met him when I was like 22 or something. So I was like young and dumb, tried to throw it away a few times. And eventually I had to come to terms with like, Disha, are you going to fuck this up because you're young and because he's nice to you? Or, and like, oh, what if there's something else out there? It's like, look at what's right in front of you. Stop being an idiot. (laughs) You know, and like I really had to like have this thought with myself because it's like when you're as young as I was, there was a lot of like, don't you want to see what else is out there? Don't you want to see what else is out there? And I'm like, but there's nothing wrong with him. Like, he's great, like, awesome dude, you know? And now it's been almost eight years, but like, I, it's like when you're young, you don't realize it. And like you said, people will just throw it away because they think it's not exciting. And I think going back to the internet, it makes you feel like if you're, Relationship isn't this like roller coaster ride all the time. I'm like, that's exhausting. And it's not reality.
1: Yeah, it's not reality. Like, honestly, the boring that you described is what we should all aspire to, because that is like, that is the level of peace and no drama and, you know, simple. And it's the small things. I think this is what people look for. They look for like grand You know, grand gestures in relationships, and they look for all of these, you know, over the top things. And it's like, no, just the everyday coming home to your partner, having someone to speak to about your day, having someone there to comfort you. Like, these are the things that are like priceless. And these are the things that we should be looking for.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't stress that enough. I feel like everyone talks about the red flags in a relationship, but then. It's even easier to ignore the green flags because they're not as exciting. Like red flags, it's like, oh, he's verbally abusive. He's lying to me. He's cheating on me. Like he's being manipulative. But I'm like, do you even know what the green flags are to look for?
1: I totally agree. I actually did a video on this recently because... I was thinking the same thing I thought all we talk about is red flags everyone's always talking about oh is it a red flag he did this it's a red flag is that a red flag but then I think well do you know what the good stuff is like do you know how to recognize the good stuff and a lot of people don't and that's actually why I did a video on it because I thought all right guys these are the green flags you need to recognize these because if you've got someone's got them but you need to hold on to that person what are some of them um oh good communication honestly I know I'm bang on about communication but that is the best one another one is um feeling safe around them you know you know coming back to them and just feeling in a safe space to talk also about how you're feeling and being with someone that allows you to communicate how you're feeling in a really open way and you know you can be vulnerable around them because that's a good sign and I always say another one is someone who makes you feel good about yourself like how many times have we been in relationships with people who have made us feel rubbish about ourselves? Because I mean, I've lost count of the amount of times I've been in those relationships. And I think, why do I like, that's a bit, that's a red flag, you know, someone who makes you feel horrible about yourself, but recognize the people that make you feel good about yourself and the people that, you know, build you up and support you and, and give you the confidence to be who you are. Like that is a massive green flag.
0: Yeah. And giving you like the room to like grow and change because like there's also this idea that like if it's not like this forever, like whatever that first year or two is, then things must be wrong. Everything's wrong. And I'm like, my relationship looks nothing like it did when we first started dating. But guess what? When I started dating him, I was in grad school. He was a secret. I had a lot of stuff going on. And, like, you know, we both, like, life was was in different places and we were just – we've grown together. And, like, the nice part is, like, because he's always been there, we've kind of grown in the same direction more. Whereas I think when you're older, you have your lives established and you're almost in parallel instead of coming together. And it's a little bit more difficult and complicated because, like, you have a job, you have a life, you might have a house and a dog. And suddenly this person has to puzzle piece into your life without disrupting it. And that's like such a complicated situation. Do you feel like you face that?
1: I do. I mean, I definitely do. I think that, like you said, over time, relationships get better. I remember one thing my my parents always said to me, although they said it about my marriage, so it probably wasn't applicable, but they always said that relationships are like fine wine. They get better with time. And I think, you know, that's one thing. Like I said, people change, situations change, so many things change. You will not be the same people now that you were a year ago, two years ago. Even, even just by yourself, you're not the same person that you were a year ago or two years ago. But what I think is that with that time, you know, comes a more of an understanding, comes more of a respect, comes more of a, you know, you get to a place where you're more comfortable with each other. And I think, like you said, it just gets better with time. And I think those are, those are good things. You know, your relationship is never going to be the same as it was when you first met or first started dating. Like people are not like that. Relationships are not like that. That's not reality. But I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with it changing either.
0: Exactly. And like big things will change it, like kids or moving or buying a house and like small things will change it. Like, We had a change in routine or, like, this is our relationship in the summer when we're traveling a lot more and, like, doing all these fun things. And in the winter, we're, like, spending our weekends, honestly, watching Netflix and playing video games together. Like, it's super chill. And, like, you said, like, over time, it's like wine. It just gets better. And it's different now. Like, even I feel like in English, they always say there's only one word for love. But in other languages, there's multiple And so I wish I had the words to describe, like, the love we have now compared to when we started, because even though it's so different, it's, like, so much better. Yeah. And it's, like, cozy, and it's comforting. It's not exciting, per se. Yeah. That's how it was in the beginning, but it's, like a warm blanket and a hot cup of tea. And I'm like, this is, good.
1: That's, that's, this is that, good. that's the best way to describe it because everyone knows that feeling, you know, with a hot cup of tea and a blanket and it's raining outside or it's snowing and you just have that moment where you're like, okay, yeah, th- this is great. This
0: feels amazing. And that is exactly what it's like. Yeah, and I, th- I, that's the part you can't capture on social media. Yeah. It's not Insta-worthy <laughs> that... I spent the weekend playing Pokemon with my husband. Like, it's not interesting, but we loved it and we had a grand old time. It's exciting when it's like there's a ring and there's like this trip and these glamorous romantic things or they bought you this special thing. And I'm like, eh, no, mostly like even Valentine's Day, like we don't really do anything. It's like, no, I just want to hang out with you. Maybe we'll make sushi or something like yeah. that's it. Yeah. I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> No,
1: I agree. But I think I think that's what's crazy is that these days, people see so much more of the grand things on social media. And that's what they think is a good relationship. And that's what they have to aspire to. And it has to be all of these, you know, Instagram worthy locations and holidays and all these grand things. And it's like, no, just the everyday coming home and having dinner together. That is what you want. That is like the best, honestly, the quality time. Like that is what you need.
0: Yeah. And even like looking for the smaller gestures, like you were saying before, like when you're first dating, it's like they buy you this piece of jewelry or something expensive or whatever. But now it's like before my husband goes to work, he always brings up coffee to my room and just like leaves it on the nightstand before he leaves. Cause like I get out of bed later. And it's like that little thing, like right before he's going to go to work, he makes his coffee and my coffee and leaves mine for me on the t- nightstand. Like, the little gestures are more meaningful now than like, like I don't want anything fancy. I have everything I want.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It's all about the small things. And I say that even just in my day to day, like I will always take time to appreciate the small things that I do, you know, in every day, whether it's like, you know, having my cup of coffee in the morning and reading again, that's like my time that I really enjoy. And it's just the small things because, is dangerous to live in a mindset or in a world where your only joy comes from either online validation from other people, or it comes from, you know, materialistic grand things. Because if that all gets taken away from you, you still need to be able to be happy. And that's where you have to find joy in the everyday.
0: Mm -hmm. And I guess like, if I had any advice for people dating now, it's like looking for the little things. Like, it was like, when I started dating, it was the smallest thing like Mike would always be on time. He was never late for a date. I was never left waiting unless I purposely showed up early because I wanted to do something else first. Or like always texting back in like a reasonable hour, especially if I had a question about something. Like it's one thing if you're having a nonsense conversation, but like and never making me feel like, "Oh, is he going to text me back? Oh, is he like no, he's always going to text you back." Yeah. There's- you know, or like real never cancelling plans last minute. Like it was the little things and the big things were nice. They added to the excitement, I guess. But it was those small things that will translate and stay with you as you get older. A hundred
1: percent. It's al- It's always the small things. They They are what matters most and they are what sticks with you
0: as well. Absolutely. Well, I think we can probably go in circles in this conversation forever, um, but I really enjoyed having you on. This was a really great discussion. I think. I think a lot of people will like it. Um, but if people wanted to find you online, where could they find you?
1: So my Instagram handle is at jigna underscore made up. So that's where you'll find my videos talking about divorce, mental health, um, dating, relationships, and you can also have some pics that give you some fashion inspo. Hopefully.
0: Yes, you do have good fashion in this <laughs> Thank you. I wish I didn't dress like a potato, but I do.
1: <laughs> hey, I dress like a potato a lot of the time. Don't worry. <laughs> you just don't see it on my Instagram.
0: <laughs> it's not Insta-worthy. I wear the <laughs> yeah. same shirt every day. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. It's been so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, you leave us a review on iTunes. You can find the show on all major streaming platforms. You can find me on Instagram at disha.mazeppa. You can shop my Etsy shop, DishaMazeppa Mazepa Designs. Find out everything you want to know about this show at dishamazeppa.com. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, you can email BWWPSpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Disha Mystery Mazeppa. Music for the show was created by Krexwell.